Now I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm better. I'm look better. at your neighbor and say, I'm better, I'm better. than I was yesterday. Now turn to the other neighbor and say, I'm better than I was yesterday. Yes, let's stand to our feet together tonight. As you're standing, you're praising the Lord. God is good. Amen. Repeat after me. Thy word, Thy word is, a lamp is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Now reel back and say it real loud. The word of God. The word of God. Come on in here. The word of God. The word of God. He is my textbook. Put your hands together and give God some praise. Go ahead and pray for us, Pastor, as we get into the word tonight. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we just invite you into our space, into our time. Do your thing, Jesus. We ask, oh Lord, that you would show up and you show out as you always do. God, we are rock bottom desperate for you this evening. Yes, sir. Truth be told today, although many people have asked us, how you doing? And we just simply respond, okay, in the cliche manner. The fact is, we are not okay. We need your help, oh God. We do not have control of our lives. We, yes. we do not know where we are going. We, we do not know our purpose. We do not know what you have for us. And so, God, we need you to show up right now. Right and now. Speak to your people yes. a word in due season. And, God, if you speak tonight, we'll be careful to give you all praise, praise all honor, glory. and all glory. Yes, Lord. And above all things, God, we pray this, that you would forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. Yes. And when you come, save us into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. 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 Pastor Coulson is going to review for us. Let's review quickly. We have a lot to say tonight. While he's doing that, I'm going to turn this monitor around. Let's yeah, let's go do it. All right. All right. Praise <laughs> the Lord. So step one, step one, step one. Read it with me. We admitted that we were powerless over our addictions and that our lives had become unmanageable. Not much explanation needed there. We simply told you that in order for you to begin the process of getting control over your life, you have got to hit rock bottom. You've got to get desperate enough for God. Am I right about that? Yes. Then God can work a miracle in your life. Step two. Uh, Number two uh, says we came, help me now, we came to believe that a power, who is that power? Somebody talk, who is that power? What is his name? Oh, come on, say, say it and make some demons tremble. What is his name, everybody? Yeah. We came to believe that a power, his name is Jesus, greater than ourselves, could restore us to sanity. Nobody can bring us where we are except the name of Jesus. Amen? Number three. Amen. Step three. We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Listen, yes. fellas, shut up and do something. You got to do something. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Come on. Say it with me. Say, shut up. Shut up. And do something. <laughs> and do something. Faith without works is dead. We have all the belief in the world. We can quote all the familiar scriptures, but unless we are willing to obey God, no change will come into our yeah, life. Yeah, let me just say this real quick. Whatever your normal is, whatever your normal is, whatever your routine is, if you don't break the cycle on that routine and do something different, there's a good chance you're going to go to hell. Comfortable and Christianity do not go together. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Ha- mm-hmm. the, one of the worst things that can ever happen to you is when you get into a rut and you stay there. And sometimes you can get into a rut doing good things. Is everybody with us tonight? Sometimes, uh, stay with us, brothers. Sometimes you can get into a rut doing good things. In order to grow spiritually, sometimes you've got to make an adjustment. Oftentimes, most of the time, all the time, you've got to make an adjustment in your lifestyle. You've got to do something different. Comfortable is the enemy of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Step four. 
We made a searching and fearless Mercy. moral inventory of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then step five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We're not hiding anything from God, right. Pastor. That's the right. Word of God says that we are already naked before him anyway. Right. And so we made a fearless inventory of ourselves. We said, God, listen, I open myself up to you. Right. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. All right, let's go to step six. Read with me, everybody. We were entirely what? To have who? God. Remove how many? Oh. These defects of our character. And then number seven, we humbly asked him to remove all our shortcomings. I want to tell you something right now. This is just a God. It takes courage to see yourself. And it takes one of the most courageous prayers you can pray is, God, whatever you got to do to save me, do that. Oh, yeah. That's a courageous prayer. And it's also courageous to then allow God to do that. But the first thing you have to do is you've got to be open to see your shortcomings and then boldly say, God, do whatever you got to do to save me. Let's go. Step eight and nine. We made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing Mercy. to make amends to them all. Then we made a direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Mm -hmm. Many of us, because at some point in our lives we made a mistake or we fell or we lost control of our lives or maybe we got subject to addiction, somewhere along the way we hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We made somebody feel the pain that we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And this step is saying to us that in order to progress past that, in order to uh, come back to some sense of normalcy, we have to go back and make amends to the people that we hurt back then. And then at some point, Pastor, it even means not only forgiving other people and telling, asking for forgiveness, but also forgiving ourselves. Forgiving ourselves. Everybody loves mercy when they receive it, but very people live, love to give mercy. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants mercy. How many of you want mercy? How many want mercy? The, the Bible actually says that his mercies are new every morning. Amen. Even though you don't ask for mercy, God gives it to you. Come on in here, somebody. You're living on mercy. If you're breathing right now, it's because God has had mercy That's on right. you. Nobody's good enough to live. We live on mercy. But, but God wants us to get to a point where we want to reciprocate what we have been given. And so we ought to be convicted at some point that if we've done some stuff to some folk, we ought to make that thing right. And sometimes pride can get in the way of that. But by the grace of God, we're going to talk about that tonight. Our text tonight is Mark 14. What book did we say, everybody? All right. What book did I say, everybody? And what chapter did we say, everybody? Verse 14. Pastor Cokes and I are going to alternate verses. If I were you, I would take out a pen and a paper. The information that's going to be shared tonight. Oh, yes. Take out your tablet. Take out your phone. I would dare say, Pastor, this is probably the most significant message that we have preached all week long. Oh, yeah. This is the most dangerous one to your soul salvation if you do not receive it. This indeed is a word from the Lord, and we want you to be able to receive every bit of it. Mark 14 is our starting text, and I'll read verse 32. Mark 14 and verse 32, if you'll look at the screen and follow along with us. The Bible says, then they went to a place called what, everybody? Gethsemane. Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, here it is, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed Mercy. and troubled. Mm -hmm. Verse 34 says, my, I'm sorry, my soul, we'll go back, my soul, oh, well, I'm sorry, here we go, all right, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of, what does the scripture say, everybody? Death, he said to them, stay here. Again, there comes the warning. Stay here and do what? All right, let's go. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. All right, verse 36 says this. Abba, Father. Oh, my. He said. 
Yeah. Everything, and Abba is another word for father. It's, mm-hmm. it's really the terminology daddy, if you please. Daddy, he's saying, father. He said, read this, everybody. Everybody with me, read this. Everything is possible for you. This is what Christ said. Come on now. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Verse 37. Verse 37. Then he returned to his disciples and found them what? Sleep. Oh, Lord. <laughs> mercy, mercy. Simon, he said to Peter, uh-huh. my brother. Are you asleep? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Couldn't you keep watch just for one hour? All right. Verse 38 says, watch and do what? So that, this is a key verse here, you will not fall into temptation. The spirit, ah, is what? But the flesh is weak. Mm-hmm. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. (laughs) They did not even know what to say to him. All right. The Bible says, verse 31, returning how many times, (laughs) y'all? A third time. God is so patient. He said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. (laughs) The hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Listen, we just want to tell you one thing tonight. Wake up. Everybody say it with me. Say wake Wake up. up. Step 10. Step 10 to 11. We're going to combine them tonight. It says, read it with me. We continue to to take take personal personal inventory. And when we were wrong, my Lord. we promptly admitted it. My Lord. Then step 11, step 11 read it again. Mm-hmm. We sought through prayer and the word. Through what? Through what? And the word, the word. To improve our God, prove our consciousness. Praying for a knowledge of his will and the power to carry it out. Pastor, help somebody. All right, so here's the thing. Um, years and years ago, if anybody remembers anything about boxing, there was a boxer named Mike Tyson. I know you've never heard of him before. Guy, has everybody heard of Mike Tyson before? A guy named Mike Tyson. Oh, that was weak. I saw two hands. Try it again. Stop trying to be sanctified. Anybody know who Mike Tyson is? All right. All right, thank you very much. All right, I shall never forget when Mike Tyson was on the rise. I mean, I mean, Mike Tyson would be knocking people out in like 90 seconds, right. 60 seconds, uh, Spinks and all these guys. I mean, fight Mike Tyson. And, and he had really created such a fear in people that people were afraid to fight Mike before he got in the ring. I mean, it was almost, it was an amazing. You had great fighters that would be sort of psyched out of fighting Mike Tyson even before they got in the ring with him because he would literally, I mean, literally, there were very few rounds, very few fights when Mike Tyson would go the distance with somebody outside of the first round. He created fear in people. And so Mike started believing the hype. Y'all remember he got his little pigeons and got his little mansion, got his little girlfriend. It was Robin, uh, what was the girl's name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I know y'all know the story. Robin Givens, you know, he started becoming the man. He was at the party scene. He was doing his thing. And one of the things that happened is his trainer died. And when, my, when Mike Tyson's trainer died during this rise of his greatness, Mike began to be lax in mm-hmm, his preparation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will never, I never shall forget this. I mean, to me, this is probably the greatest upset, the greatest David versus Goliath fighting situation I've ever seen in my life. Mike Tyson goes up against what was supposed to be Pastor Coxham, mm-hmm. a sure yeah. fire knockout yeah, against yeah, yeah. a no-name boxer named Buster Douglas. Does anybody remember that? It was supposed, I mean, this thing was not supposed to last. People were not even buying the pay-per-view because it was only supposed to last just one round, maybe a few seconds to knock him out. And we shall never forget that in the first round, 
instead of Mike Tyson going down in a knockout, Buster Douglas knocked Mike Tyson out. Now, never, I will never, ever forget what my father told me about that. He said, never underestimate your opponent. Never underestimate your opponent. Mike Tyson got to a place. Look at the screen. Look at the screen, everybody. Mike Tyson got to a place where he began to overestimate his own ability and greatness to the point where your boy was like, ain't no need to train. Ain't no need to practice. I'm Mike Tyson. And whoever comes against me is going to get knocked out. And I'm telling you, what happened to Mike Tyson sometimes happens to us. Mike Tyson underestimated Buster Douglas. And Buster Douglas knocked Mike Tyson out. I'm going to tell you this. And your boy Mike Tyson wasn't the same ever since then. I almost feel like Mike Tyson lost his mind after that. Got crazy. Started tattooing his face. Doing stupid stuff. But he is an example of how pride and arrogance can cause us falls. Yeah, let's compare and contrast Kobe Bryant and LeBron James for a second. Yeah, real quick. Early on in LeBron James' Early career, on. he's yes. a great player. I mean, yes. they call him the king. He is, you know, clearly the uh, hero of Cleveland. Would you not agree? They know they don't want to agree with that. He put Cleveland on yeah, the map. Y'all better yeah. admit it. But, but for, for how well LeBron played, yes. it just seemed like even though they were up mm. in the fourth quarter, uh-huh. it just seemed like LeBron James would lay down and die. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, y'all not with me. Y'all don't watch sports like me. But but here's the thing. Help him out. Kobe Bryant. Mm. This is why we have to admit that he's probably the best player in the league, or at least in his prime, he was. This brother, in the fourth quarter, if they are up 50 points with five seconds left and he's on a fast break, he don't care if his own mama is standing under the basket. Yeah. He's going to dunk the ball. That's right. That's right. That's right. Kobe Bryant does not care. He's a killer. He's a winner. And he's going to put the nail in the coffin to get the job done. He does not over, he, he, he does not ever overestimate anybody that he faces or underestimates them, rather. Yes. He's going for the kill. And the one thing in LeBron James' career that causes him to lose time and time again, and of course in this last series, y'all got to admit, yo, the boy is bad. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, no, no, I'm going to stay right here for a second. I don't care. I'm going to take my time. Just right one second. They don't watch basketball. In, in, game six, in game six of the finals, the game was over, and LeBron James simply said no. That's right. And he willed his way to a win. That's what, that's what happened. But Kobe, early on in his career, Pastor, he never underestimated his opponent. He don't care how much points he's up by. He's going for the kill. And we will see right now in our spiritual lives why that is so important. Sure, sure. Just one quick more illustration. Uh, maybe you'll get, get, get it here. Uh, I had this thing where, I mean, it's not that I don't, that I don't have the money. But sometimes I don't. But uh, you ever, has your gas tank ever got on E and, and, and you told yourself, oh, I can make it? Yeah. Oh, I, I can make it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, I mean, it's on E, and I, I have even worked out in my mind that when my when when it gets to E and the light comes on, I got about forty miles left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know they tell you you got about forty miles left, and so mm-hmm. you know there have been occasions where I have trusted in my judgment and ended up on the side of the road, needed somebody to come yeah. give me gas. My lord. I see. Again, we just want to make this point. Somebody just shout overestimate. Mm-hmm. Somebody shout, overestimate. Mm -hmm. Listen, never overestimate your own cleverness. And here's the spiritual point that we're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. This is this. The greatest spiritual lesson that you can learn is that you are still in rehab. Never get to the place where, and I understand now, we talked about this before, that was a little critical of of why, you know, the... The, the rehab programs, Craig, and, you know, the AAs and NAs and all this kind of stuff, Kevin, they'll say stuff like to you, once an addict, always what? 
And, you know, then Christians come around and say, no, I ain't no addict no more. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus. I've been delivered. I got a new name now. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying. But I think what they're trying to do is trying to get us to be careful that we don't get to a place where we get high and mighty and forget, like Kev said, that at any moment we are one decision away from throwing it all away, from yeah. throwing it all away, yeah. from throwing it all away. Yeah, yeah. It happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. So the key word for us tonight is really humility, <laughs> to be humble in your life. To not overestimate your abilities, not overestimate your spiritual standing with God. Don't overestimate your, 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 your holiness so much that you cannot be tempted by anything. If you have a That's problem right. with drinking, you should be nowhere near a bar. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that you're struggling with smoking if every time I see you, you're hanging around people that smoke. Right, 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 right. You cannot overestimate your abilities, and you've got to be humble enough to say, listen, I am vulnerable at every single point in my life. I need the Lord. Or if you, have, if you struggle with gossip, then there are certain people you shouldn't be hanging around. You know, whatever your struggle is, do not incite it. You know what I'm saying? Don't feed it by being in those areas. So clearly the key word for us is humility. Look what the word of God says in 1 Corinthians 10. I love this, man. This is just a warning to all of us. And hopefully by the end of this message, you guys will have this this sense of vigilance about your walk with God. Read this, everybody. The Bible says, so if you think you are standing what? Be careful that you do not what? One more time, everybody. Read that with me right there on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Make a note of that as a text that you need to memorize. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Go ahead, Pastor. Tell us what that means. Yeah, basically, brothers and sisters, (laughs) I think we said it kind of really the the other night. On the heel of every victory is the devil himself. That's right. On the heel of every single success that you have in your life, that is when the devil is the closest in your life because he knows that you are prone to be comfortable in that moment. As you said before, comfortability has no place in Christianity whatsoever. This text says you think you are standing. You think that you are standing, not that you know. You think that you are standing. Be careful because that is the moment when you can surely fall. All right. Proverbs 16. Go ahead. Verse 18. Pride. What? Goes before destruction and haughtiness before fall. Uh, Again, the prerequisite to falling is being caught up in yourself, that you are better than you are. This is one of the reasons why you keep hearing this drum being beat over and over again. There are many of us. How how do I know? How do you, Pastor, how can you say that I think that I'm better than I am? I'm humble. Okay. One of the prime examples of somebody who is struggling with pride is anytime they open their mouths and say something negative about anybody else. Anytime you say something negative about somebody else, you reveal that you are proud. Because if you really knew how wicked and wretched you are and the potential that you have to fall to anything at any moment, you would never open up your mouth to say anything negative about anybody else. Because why? I realize that at any given moment, it could be me. I never shall forget. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I'm learning to like the Browns. I mean, y'all, y'all need to win one game or something. Uh, some, win something and I'll be a fan. But, uh, well, the Cowboys are struggling too, Chris Apps. Win one playoff game, right? Now. I never forget, uh, man. When the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl run, those are the glory days. Hallelujah. Uh, we were running, running the score up on the Buffalo Bills. I never forget, man. They had an offense, they had a defensive lineman named Leon Lett. Somebody fumbled the ball. Leon Lett, y'all remember, this is old school. But anyway, here's the story. Leon Lett picks up the fumble, and this big 300 pound guy is running from like the 50 yard line to the touchdown, and there's nobody can catch him. He's all by himself, and we're cheering because, you know, it's big 
you know, big guy who's rumbling, stumbling, tumbling, you know, to the touchdown. And what he does is he picks up the ball at like the 20-yard line, right? So if you don't know nothing about football, if you're at the 20, that means you got 20 more yards to get to the touchdown. So he picks up the football and he turns around, he's celebrating. He's celebrating before he gets in the end zone. And he doesn't realize that a player named Don Beebe runs him down, knocks the ball out of his hands before he gets in the end zone. One of the problems that many of us have is we celebrate too soon. Ain't nothing wrong with praising, but you better stop celebrating yourself and learn to be humble. Learn to be humble. Pride precedes destruction. 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is near. Mm -hmm. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, set so that you may pray. Mm-hmm. For you to think that you're safe in these times is a tremendous tragedy. Yeah. The world that we are living in right now, on, people, are, the Bible says that people mm-hmm. are inventing new ways of to sin. sin. <laughs> there are so many things going on right now. People are snapping in their own homes. Wives are killing husbands. Husbands are killing wives. People are going into malls and shooting up places, blowing themselves apart because they feel bad. They're walking into schools and killing little kids for no reason. The word of God says that during these times right now, we ought to be wide awake. We ought to be alert and we ought to have such a sober mind that we are willing to pray to God and say, God, I don't foresee a problem happening, but just in case I'm tempted by anything, keep me, Lord. Yes, yes. I would say the most... The most, very good point. The most dangerous times in our spiritual lives are the moments that we feel the most blessed. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, I, I can look back at my life. The most dangerous moments are when we don't feel any kind of pressure, when it feels like all is well. I mean, that is when the enemy is planning yeah. and strategizing his attacks. I love this statement by Ian Bounds. Ian Bounds says this. He says, prayerlessness. Somebody say prayerlessness. <clears throat> Prayerlessness is the highest form of arrogance and self-righteousness. Oh, oh did you Lord. hear that? Oh, my Lord. Hey, go ahead, Pastor. Yeah, it's almost admitting to yourself that you do not need God. Prayer is so interwoven with God. Mm-hmm. For you not to pray is almost to say God does not exist. That's right. That's right. Prayerlessness is, act, is the highest form of arrogance and self-righteousness that you can have right now. Because what you're basically saying is, I live and exist all by myself. I do not need help. I do not need the righteousness of God. I do not need God to save me. I don't need him for anything. I can live and breathe on my own. I'm doing this by myself. I do not need God in my life. And pride goes before before a fall. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, When do people pray the most often? Tell me. When they get in trouble. Because in trouble, you feel helpless. In trouble, you feel weak. So i got news for you. You're always in trouble. And here's the trick of the enemy. The trick of the enemy wants to make you feel like you're not in trouble. If he can make you feel like I'm safe, I'm sound, I'm well, I'm a good person. Listen, I mean, we ain't trying to take away your self-esteem, but you have constantly got to be in a mindset that I am at war. All right. And so here we're going to get into this thing a little bit further. Prayerlessness is arrogance. If you don't pray, that is a sign that you're arrogant. All right. All right, let's Let's give you some context about the text that we talked about earlier. Mark 14. Mark 14. First and foremost, the disciples, where we pick up the story, they have been three years working with Jesus. How much? How many years? Three years. Three years they have been working with Jesus. You can imagine them to be a sports team. And if you can imagine that, then you would consider them the most undefeated sports team to ever (laughs) exist. Right, right. They did not come across a problem that they could not solve. That's right. 
everywhere they went when Jesus was there, they cast out demons. The lame were healed. The blind received their sight. People with leprosy were healed all over again. For three years, they saw Jesus walk on water and not only that, perform miracles of all kinds and not only that, but even raise the dead back to life. They have seen what Jesus can do. They now believe that he is the son of God. But at this point in time, Jesus begins to give them a warning. Yeah, and so, I mean, remember, they're not just watching Jesus do stuff. I remember the disciples came back after they went on a missionary journey, and they said, man, look, the, even the demons are subject unto us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I mean we're doing the same stuff Jesus is. And what happened is, is the disciples by this time, this is the crazy part, and the pastor brought this out in the office. At the, at the most, I don't know, I, I, I mean, I, gotta, I really, I really got to give the, the full import of this. At the most important moment in oh, the earth's yeah. history. Oh, yes. I understand what we're saying here. Please do not miss what we're saying. I promise you we're going somewhere. At the most important moment in the history of the universe, Ebony, they start smelling themselves. They start, they start getting comfortable. They start thinking that they're God's gift to the church. And so they have an argument, and you can read about it in Luke 22. As Jesus is preparing to die, yeah. what happens, Pastor? Yeah, just before the Last Supper, when Jesus is telling them all this time, listen, brothers, I have to go to the cross and die for your sins, but I'll be resurrected again, but I'm going to come back, and I'll come back, you know, how much of the time later, and I'll come back, and you will see me again, but don't worry about it. But right now, what I need you to realize is I am going to the cross, and I am going to Die. That's right. Period. That's right. right. And during this time, his disciples are not even really paying attention to what Jesus is saying. The Bible says they began to argue amongst themselves, Jesus, which ones among us are the greatest? That's right. That's right. Now, Jesus had to be hurt by this if he considered them his friends. Imagine you telling your friends, brothers and sisters, I'm about to die, man. It's going to be hard. I'm going to go to the cross. They're going to nail me there. I, I cannot see beyond the portals of the tomb. I am going to die. And the only thing they respond to you is, yeah, yeah that's cool, but who's going to be yeah, the greatest yeah, 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 in great your kingdom? <laughs> and his disciples are arguing this, and Jesus can almost not believe what they're saying. And they're doing this in his presence. Let me say this. Anytime you're having a discussion about how great you are, you're doing it in the presence of God. How stupid is that? How great can you be when you're in the presence of greatness? And so as they began to kind of notice now three years with Jesus, Mm -hmm. oh, man, we're special now. They start smelling themselves. And then at the moment where Christ needed them most, they're sitting up there arguing, talking Mm -hmm. about who was the greatest. And so what eventually happened is, is they began to think that they were okay at the moment when they were the worst. They began to think that they were okay at the moment when they were the worst. I want to say that again. They began to get a false sense of their righteousness when they were the worst, when they were at the worst moment of their righteousness. And this is what we got out of that. Here's what we got from it. They are with Jesus, Uh but they're not really with Jesus. They're with him. Physically, they are in his presence, but they are not with him. The truth of the matter is their mindsets mindsets are worlds apart right now. That's right. Christ is going to the cross to die for their sins. He's coming to set up a spiritual kingdom to save all of humanity. As you said, the most important event in human history was about to take place. That's right. And these brothers are thinking to themselves, oh no, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to set up a kingdom in this world. We're going to stand by his side. He's going to give us jewelry and clothes and we're going to have money and riches and we're going to be Power. royalty. Yeah. We will be taken care of. But Jesus tells them, brothers, what are you thinking right now? Right. How can you be arguing about who is the greatest? You're with me, but you're not really with me right now. Mercy. And I, you know, I don't, I, I, it's hard for me not to see 
how anybody can't see that that is kind of relevant to where we are right now. We, too, are living in the shadow of one of the greatest events that's ever... The, I would say now, now we're coming to yeah. the next Negro. greatest event that will ever transpire on the planet. And what is that? The very coming of our Lord. We're not listening. Come on, y'all. I mean, just look, look at the world that you're living in now. We are living in the shadow of the coming of our Lord. Things are happening in our world that we have never seen before. And in the context of this moment, while we literally hear the hoofbeats of the, of the angels coming back, that we are pretty much around Jesus... But we're not really with Jesus. Some of us in here right now are here, but we're not here here. because we got so much on our mind and so much we're going through that God has become secondary. And so in this state of mind, Jesus now is like, yo, I got to get through to them. They're not with me and they're not really seeing where I am and they don't realize the danger that is coming to them. And so what happens? Yeah, Jesus seeing and how much danger they are in right now and how close they are to the edge gives them their first warning. Mark 14, look at this. Mm -hmm. You will all fall away. Do you hear that? (laughs) Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Mm -hmm. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you unto Galilee. Peter, oh man. But Peter declared, even if all of them fall away, Jesus. No, 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 I will not. Hold on, let me me say this. Did Mm -hmm. y'all just catch this? God said, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. God, God said, you all, you're in danger. You, mm-hmm. you all are going to fall away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, that's, that, that gives a sense of 911, red flags, danger. Yo, he just told me that I'm going to fall away. If God, now I ain't talking about the preacher, because you hear from the preachers all the time, and, y'all, and it, don't, it don't bother you now. But what if God himself said to you, you are in danger of falling away? And then you turn around and say, yeah, I hear you, but they're going to fall away. <laughs> yeah. I ain't going to fall away, though. No. Not me. Not me. <laughs> Not me. Yeah, yeah. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, oh, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Peter. So Jesus is like, oh, really, Peter? You're not going to deny me? Well, I'm telling you that on tonight, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And let me jump in right now. Notice now, Peter based the fact that he wasn't going to fall away on his comparison to other people. I, say, I want to be a broken record saying this. The only way that you can feel righteous is if you compare yourself to other people. Now, God just told you you're going to fall. You, listen, you're in danger right now. He looks at everybody else and says, look at these... Now, they might fall, but I'm not going to fall. And that's how many of us operate. We look at everybody else and we make assumptions about how spiritual we are simply based on our assessment of other people. And and Peter doesn't realize he's in danger. Watch what the pastor reads now. Go ahead. But Peter insisted emphatically (laughs) against the Lord. Even if I have to die with you, (laughs) I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. So Jesus, uh, Peter starts it off with his loud mouth and says, Jesus, I will never betray you. And after he says that, everybody joins with him and says, Jesus, listen, we're willing to die with you. If we got to bust heads, we're going to do this thing. If we got to die, if we got to roll over, whatever we got to do, Jesus, we are with you. We will die with you. In fact, the word of God says they say this emphatically that they will not fall away. Here's a second warning. But, 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 Pastor, you made a point in the office. I Mm -hmm. I think it's appropriate to make it Mm -hmm. here. You were talking about how Peter was ready Peter was ready to fight, yeah. but he was not. Go- what was the point you made there? Yeah, Peter was ready to fight for Jesus. To cut somebody's ear off. Yeah, to cut somebody's ear off, but he wasn't really ready to die with Jesus. 
Oh, man, y'all just missed that completely. Peter is ready to defend Jesus, much like a lot of us church folk like to do. Thank you. Oh, man, I just I feel like I'm talk, I'll talk to you because you're here with me right now. We love to defend the doctrines. We love to defend the Bible and defend what we believe. But none of us are really willing to do what Jesus said. And Jesus told us that we ought to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. None of us are really ready to be humbled enough by God that it may come to the point where we may never be called great. For the cause of Christ, we not, may not ever get the prosperity blessing that we think we should receive. For the cause of Christ, God calls us to die to ourselves, mm-hmm. die on the cross with him. God didn't tell us to fight for him. Don't need nobody to defend you him don't need nobody to fight for him. <laughs> Jesus, Peter at this point is like, yo, I will fight for you. I'll cut off his brother's <laughs> ear. I'll, bust, I'll do whatever I got to do. But listen, ain't no sense in us dying for you. That don't really make no sense to me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it just shows how far away his mindset is from Jesus. Jesus is telling him, listen, in order for you to win, I have to lose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever, 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 whatever. So, so watch this now. Let, let's, let, let's make mm. this application. The first warning that Jesus gave to Peter, I believe he gives to us. And here's the warning. You're going to fall. No. Ah, no. uh, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are going to fall. You are going to. We're not talking about in the, in the, in the, in the, for real. Not, 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 not symbolic. 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Not symbolic. Yeah, yeah. If you still live it. Yeah. You're going to fall. Yeah. With that in mind, how are you going to live? What's your prayer life going to be? So, so, so watch this now. They didn't get that message. Mm-hmm. So now Jesus has to come with a second warning. And so let, let me read this now. Bible says in Luke 22, it's the same scenario. Jesus says this. I love one of my favorite texts in the Bible. Verse 31, the Bible says, Simon, Simon. Uh-huh. By the way, the word Simon means shaky. So he doesn't call him Peter now. He said, boy, boy, you shaky. Simon, Simon, Satan. Oh, this is deep. Oh, yeah. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Yeah. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Pastor, the yeah. text does not say, yeah. Simon, Simon, uh-huh. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, mm-hmm. but I have prayed that you will not fail. Yeah. I mean, if it was me, I would have just said, well, Jesus, just pray that he does not sift me and we'll be straight. Yeah, just pray he doesn't sift me. Just pray he don't sift me and we'll be good. We don't even got to have this conversation right now. Just pray that he won't sift me. I I won't be sifted. (laughs) I won't fall. We ain't got no problem right here. But the word of God says that Jesus does not pray that. He simply says, Peter, I just pray that in the trial, your faith will not fail. Yes. We pray for no trials. Christ does not pray for that. Yes. Christ says while we are in the trials, yes. which are sometimes necessary yes. to bring us closer to him, while we are in the trial, he's praying that our faith does not fail. Yes. Many of us would pray to God, God, I don't want to have nothing happen to me. I don't want my dog to die. I don't want my cat to run away. I don't want my mortgage to not have to be paid. I want to have all the food. I want to have clothes. I want to have no problems in my life whatsoever. I want all sunny days. God is not going to answer that prayer. What you should be praying to God is, God, no matter what happens in my life, give me faith and give me courage to bear it. Everybody wants a miracle. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to be delivered. Everybody wants a testimony. But nobody wants to be in the conditions that prepare you for it. If if, if you're going to get a miracle, that means you need to be in a situation where you need one. 
If you want to be delivered, that means you need to be in a situation where you're in danger. Everybody wants the blessing, they want the miracle, but yeah. nobody wants to go through the struggle That's right. that requires them to go through that. Everybody wants to be able to have the testimony, but when God puts you through it, then you're, then you're wondering, where is God? Well, God's answering your prayer. You said, God, make me like Jesus. Jesus says, okay, the only way you can be like me is you got to take up your cross and you got to follow me. This, here's, here's Christianity 101. Christianity 101 is not lived in between Sabbaths. It is not lived in between worship services. Christianity 101 is lived when you get your behind kicked by the devil. That is when you know where you stand with God. When the enemy's got his foot on your neck, when people are getting on your nerves, when your health is failing, then you have got to learn how to worship God in spite of what you're going through. How are you going to get a miracle if you're never in danger of needing a miracle? And I love this. He says, I love this. He says, Satan has asked me to sift you. But the undercurrent of this is I have not told him not to. Hello. Mm-hmm. Let him do what he wants. What I'm going to simply do is just pray for you. Ah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, some of us don't even have sense to pray for ourselves because we've been lulled to sleep by our comfort zone. But thank you, Jesus, that yeah. God is praying for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah Pastor. There's a difference between real Christians and mm-hmm. fake Christians. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real Fake Christians, they will cry and they will moan and they will throw up their hands in the air when something bad happens to them. But real Christians will begin to praise God. Yes. Yes. Even in test and trial. That's right. That's right. So much so that Marvin Sapp says that when we praise in the midst of trial, we actually confuse the enemy. That's right. He does not understand why we are praising That's God, right. why we are going through a mess right now. We should be praising God when we're on the mountaintop, not necessarily in the yeah, valley. Yeah, yeah. We praise God even when God is leading us beside still waters yes. and he's causing us to lie down in green yes. pastures. But we also praise God when God takes a detour into the deep, dark valley of the shadow of death. It's so easy to shout at. Everybody loves yeah, yeah, to say yeah. amen mm-hmm. to that. But when you're going through hell, come mm-hmm. on, talk to me in here. Mm-hmm. It's hard to open up your mouth yeah, and bless yeah, yeah, the yeah. Lord. It's hard, it's hard to talk about the goodness of God when you don't feel like there's any goodness of God in your life. But this is where the word is for. And so watch what the text goes on to say. He says, look, man, look, I'll pray for you. And he says, when you have, when you have, and when you have turned back or been converted, it says strengthen your brothers. Verse 33 says, but he replied. Now, Christ just warned him. Christ said, dude, Satan desires to sift you. I mean, what else should make somebody pray? Wake up, church. What else? We're telling you right now, the same warning that God gave to him, he's given to you. Satan wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your life. He says, and so you look at your boy Peter. Peter in the face of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus just told him, (laughs) dude, Satan is coming after you. I know because he asked me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so his his reply is, Lord, I'm ready to go with you even to prison or to death. He basically said, Lord, I disagree with you. I disagree. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter. Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. <laughs> you say, Revelation 3, get this. This is a text we had to throw in there. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, you are pitiful, <laughs> you are poor, you are blind, and that you are naked. Many of us have allowed the devil and maybe even ourselves, we've lulled ourselves to sleep. And Jesus says to us today, listen, you're saying about yourself that you're rich. 
-hmm. You're saying that you don't need anything. But you're not seeing what I see in your life right now. Neither are you seeing what could possibly happen to you down the road if you don't pray and if you are not careful. You do not realize you are wretched. You are pitiful. You are poor. You are blind. And you are naked. The point we're making here is when you get with God, not before, but when you get with God. Oh, yes. The war. Come on, talk to me and hear somebody. The war has said, you ain't, I mean, it amazes me. I don't, care what, I don't care what you've been through before you got saved. I don't care what you've been through. Been in four car accidents, came out of a burning building. Come on in here, somebody. Uh, had AIDS twice, got delivered, set free. Listen, at the, let me tell you right now. The mm-hmm. devil ain't fighting people who's with him. You're just reaping consequences. But I'm going to tell you this. I have never experienced trials, Pastor, until I began to do the will of God. Oh, that's right. I mean, I mean you, you think that just for a minute that you would just get a break. The mm-hmm. minute, anybody ever experienced this, when you feel like you just got a break just to, oh, man, you just came out of one trial. And, and so now you just, you're just trying to catch a breather after that thing and just get your, get your footing, right? It's just like right after that, then there comes another one and then another one. It's like we're always walking through the valley of the shadow of death. That is because God knows we will not pray. We will not worship. We will not be in our word. We will not listen to the sermons. I mean, when all, when all is well, I mean, spiritual things don't even matter to you. Now, how many know when you're going through hell, I mean, you feel like you hear God talking through everything. Oh, yeah. I, mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just begin to get open to God. God knows that we will not pray unless we get sifted. That's right. Yeah, one preacher actually said, man, all of us, every day of our lives, we are either just coming out of a storm. That's right. We are in a storm right, right now or we're about to head into a storm. <laughs> There is not a day, there is not a week, there is not a month of our lives where we don't have some type of trial. And God is just basically trying to realize, trying to tell us rather, get us to recognize, listen, do not let your guard down. The moment you give your right. life to Christ, right. and we have to admit this today and just be honest with everybody here. That's right. The moment you give your life to Christ, you join, you step on the side of God. And mm-hmm. once you choose a side, that means the devil and his entire host is now against you. Right, right, right. <laughs> When you choose sides, Mm -hmm. you choose a side, and now the devil and his entire army Mm -hmm. is now against Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. You notice the devil, he's not going to fight with people who who, who, who are not with God. Mm -hmm. If you ain't with him, he ain't got nothing, he ain't got to bother you. For what? For most of us, the devil don't even have to trick us. He don't have to do nothing underhanded or mysterious with us. Mm -hmm. He don't have to use any smoke or mirrors because we are not with God anyway. But when you choose God, the war in your life has just begun. And you know what? When I, th- when I got baptized, when I first got baptized, or when I really, really, actually, when I really gave my life to God, I thought that every day of my life would be sunny days. <laughs> yes, just I, blessings. Yeah, blessings blessing. everywhere. Yes, Prosperity <laughs> over my life. Oh, yes. Evil, sha, sha, nah, nah, nah. Everything. Ah, it just, yeah, yeah. just receiving everything <laughs> from God. And at that moment, after a while, I realized, man, that is not what the Christian journey is about. That's right. We, we, this, is what, this is the fallacy that we you have. You enlisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We think that Christianity is a position. Uh-huh. No, 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 my brother. That's right. Christianity is a process. That's right. That's right. We think Christianity is a place that we arrive to, a point that we have to get to, and then we're good. No, 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 no. Christianity is a process that we will be going through throughout the entire uh, time that we are on this earth. Am I right about it? Surely, surely. So, 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 so watch this now. And 
He gives them, how many, he gives them two warnings. Yo, Satan's about to come after you. You're going to fall. These are the warnings that have been given. All right, everybody got the warnings? So the same warnings given to Peter, understand that they're coming to all of us here. All right? And see, a lot of people don't understand this, Pastor. And I, and I wish not to... Please don't misunderstand us when we're saying this. And this is not encouraging people to fall. But know this. As long as you're living, you're going to fall again. That's right. You're going to fall again. The word of the Lord that came to Peter ain't changed. You're going to fall again. All right? The, the difference is, is how do you fall? <laughs> a righteous man falls differently. The scripture says a righteous man falls mm-hmm. seven times. Mm-hmm. But he's getting up. Yeah. He knows, he knows how to press through the trial. So watch this now. Watch this now. The warning has been given. Amen. Warning has been given. Warning has been given. And now God says, all right, they ain't heard me. Yeah. So now I got to turn the heat up. Here comes the trial. Here comes the trial. And I want you, this, this pattern is worked out in all of our lives. Comes warning, comes trial. Now, trial does not mean punishment. Many of us think that if I'm being tried, I'm being punished. Mm-hmm. This is not true. Just because you're being tried doesn't mean you're being punished. Matter of fact, the Bible says, to whom he loves. Oh, come on. <laughs> he yeah. I got a text. It feels so good to have a text. Oh, man, I got a text. I got a text. Let the text minister to your spirit. The word of God says, those I love, I rebuke and chasten. If you're not being tried, you need to worry about if you're an illegitimate son. Hebrew says that illegitimate sons are not disciplined. But when, you, when, when you're a son, you get your behind whooped. Come on in here, somebody. So if you're going through, it doesn't mean that uh, God is mad at you. It just means that you're a son yeah. and God is trying to grow you into a full-grown man. Amen? So here comes the trial. Go ahead, preacher. Here it is, Mark 14, verse 32. Oh, David. watch this. Stay with us. Yeah. Stay with us. We Stay fast with us. forward just a little bit. Jesus tells Peter, listen, you are going to fall. All of you are going to desert me. Then we fast forward a little bit. They went to a place. This is crazy. Called Gethsemane. Uh-huh. Jesus said to his disciples, brother, sit here while I pray. Then he took Peter, James, and John along with him uh-huh. and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. You know, Pastor, many people wonder why Peter and James and John were so close to Jesus. And one scholar says because they were the ones who needed the most help. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, My soul. Now, yeah. hold on a second. now remember now, just, just I want you to remember, they just were given a warning. Right. You about to fall. Satan is coming after you. Now watch the boys. Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. (laughs) All the clues. Mm -hmm. To the point of death, Mm -hmm. he said to them, stay here and keep watch. Mm -hmm. Then going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed, Father, that if it be possible, the hour might pass from him. Then 36, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples, <coughs> and he found them sleeping. What really? were they doing? Sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Jesus is like mesmerized at this point. Dude, I cannot believe that you are sleeping right now. I am about, yeah, I'm about to go to the cross and die. I just said my soul is overwhelmed to the, to the point of death. And you guys are sleeping right now? This does not make sense. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Oh, please get this. Mm-hmm. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to say to him. 
Then returning the third time, Mm-mm-mm. he said to them, Mercy. Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Pastor, make this point. Okay, so this is what I'm thinking as I'm reading this. And I ain't going to lie. Because we are so given to self-righteousness, mm-hmm. you know what I'm doing, Pastor? I'm, I'm judging these guys. Even now. I mean, mm-hmm. as I'm preaching this sermon, I'm like, these fools. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, dude, they couldn't stay up and pray for an hour? Like, what's wrong with it? Didn't they just hear what Christ just said? But the bottom line is, is Pastor, I mean, how many times have I done this? Yeah. I mean, many of us are, are sleepwalking through our spiritual experience. I mean, most of y'all sleep all the time. I ain't talking about physically sleep, just sleep. I mean, just chilling, just chilling. I mean, just chilling through you. And this is kind of what I've been thinking, Pastor. I kind of feel like, I mean, because it's hard to conceive that, I mean, Jesus is praying like he's never prayed before. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's making strange statements like, Father, I don't know if I want to go through this. I mean, you just <clears> kind of feel like maybe they would have got it. But of course, they're asleep, so they never heard it. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out if Jesus calls them and says, yo, I need y'all to pray with me. If he just warned them and said, yo, you're about to fall. I'm just trying to figure out, like, why did that not penetrate? And then it just hit me because every time Jesus would go and pray, they were used to going and sleeping and then getting up. And then the devil deceiving them that they were more powerful than they were. So it was almost like the whole three years, the enemy was preparing them and setting them up to be self-confident. So when this moment came, they would just do what they had always done. It's like many of us. Many of us, we simply just maintain the routine. And we think that one day, like Samson, we're going to be able to get up like we always did, but not know that the spirit of God had left us. We just just think that what has been working for us is going to be able to work for us. Us when we come to the big trial, and I think this lesson teaches us that whatever you've been doing is not enough to prepare you unless you obey what God has said for what is coming. Yeah, I think the disciples at this time just got really comfortable. They were so used to Jesus bailing them out ah, and saving them. Yeah. They were kind of like the people we see in the comic books who are in trouble, and they just cry out, Superman, save us! And Superman flies out of nowhere and comes and saves the people, and everything yeah, is grand, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the story ends on a good note. Well, this time, it is the most trying hour, and the problem is these brothers do not even discern that, even though Jesus had told them that. That's right. And here's the problem for us today. We don't know when our trying hour will Ah. come. That's why the word of God says to us that we are to pray without ceasing. At all moments, we ought to be praying. At all moments, we ought to keep our minds in tune with God. And when I say pray, I don't mean every moment we got to get down on our knees in a crowded place and bow our heads and sing a few (laughs) hymns first and put our hands together like this and say, Oh God, thou that sits above the cherubim, Father God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God does not need all that, but we should have a mindset of prayer. Why I'm con- I am in constant contact yes. with God throughout the day. Yes. I know for me right now, and I know for you, Pastor, you've said it many times, I am always in contact with God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that to be self-righteous, yeah. but when I'm driving, I'm talking to God. Yes. He is the filter through which I make my decisions yes. in my life. When I'm walking and when I'm breathing, I'm considering any decision in my life. I am praying and talking to God at every moment of my life because I don't know when my trial is going to come. Surely. Surely, surely. And so, uh, to your point, Pastor, prayer keeps us from falling into temptation. Now, that's clear. It's right in the Word. Yeah. Notice, Christ gave the Word. He said, look, pray. Why? Because prayer is going to preserve you in the hour of temptation. 
We just don't simply pray, bless me, bless me, bless me, just give me, give me, give me. We also pray to stay connected with him so that when, not if, but when the trial comes, we're ready. So, of course, you know what happens. So here's the fall. You know what happens. Mark 14, 66. Yeah. While Jesus was below in the courtyard, mm-hmm. one of the servant girls, while Peter, excuse me, was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. <laughs> when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. Wait a minute. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. Wow. Shocked. <laughs> I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. And when the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She publicly proclaimed that, yo, this is one of them right here. He's that dude. He's that dude. <laughs> yeah. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Help me, Lord. Surely you are one of them, mm-hmm. for you are a Galilean. <laughs> and he began, oh man, this is bad. <laughs> he began to Help call me. down curses and he swore to them (laughs) i do not know this man that you are talking about immediately the rooster crowed the second time Mm -hmm. then peter remembered the word jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice you will disown me three times and he wept and he broke down and wept Mm -hmm. point we're making here is if you are faking it Satan will expose you. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I mean, here we have a textbook case of God saying to somebody, be careful. I mean, and as I'm preaching it, God is making me internalize it more. I hear him saying to me, Myron, Satan has desire to sift you, Shanae, Camden, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Taylor as wheat, But I have prayed for you, Myron, be sober, be vigilant. You don't got time to take spiritual vacations and days off. There are no days off in this spiritual warfare. The minute you take a day off is the minute that the enemy sneaks in and he begins to plan your destruction and your demise. I don't got time. I cannot take, I can't just, I mean, I I say this all the time, but there's no such thing as like lukewarm demons. You know, like the moment, you know, you know how all of us, you know, kind of have those moments where we're kind of like, you know what, man, I just don't feel like being spiritual today. You know, I'm just going, you know, I'm just going to kind of, you know, just like do my thing this week. You know, I'm just going, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go here and I'm going, you know, I'm just going to have a little drink or, you know, I'm just going, I, you know, everybody deserves a moment where they can just let their hair down. Are you crazy? God is telling us you are crazy if you do that, because the minute you open that door, you are literally telling demonic forces, come in. I'm vulnerable. Do whatever you want to me. We have got to set a hedge of prayer. If you're faking it, Satan is going to expose you. Yeah, I think in some way, in some sense, if we are not praying, we are faking. That's right. If I really believe what the word of God says about me, that I'm a sinner mm-hmm. and I'm prone to temptation. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if God is my Savior. That's right. If I believe what the Word of God says about me, how can I not pray? How can I not talk to God each and every day? That's right. How can I just get in my car every day and just drive away and not be thinking to myself, anything could happen to me today? How can I not seek God for counsel when I'm considering getting married? 
How can I not seek God to help me when I'm walking the pathways of life? How can I not invite God into my life when I'm struggling with anything in my life? If I really believe the word of God and I am a real Christian, I will always be praying. Because I realize I can't make it without God. How can I possibly get through this life with some measure of control if I'm not inviting God to be there with me? It just doesn't make any sense. And I just emphasize what we've been saying on Sabbath. There is a difference between praying and being a person of prayer. Listen, this is next level stuff here. We're not just talking about, you know, I I prayed, uh, you know, I I, I prayed for this, I prayed for that, and I pray all the time. Because everybody, nobody nobody in the church is going to say they don't pray. Everybody prays. Everybody prays all the time. But being a person who, where prayer is the foundation of your existence, you don't make moves yeah. unless you've been in communication with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are known as an intercessor. Many of us, not, many of us get more stressed out that we forgot to pay a bill than that we forgot to pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? And here's the thing about the enemy, uh, Pastor. The enemy wants us to feel like it ain't that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so you'll never say these words. You'll never say, ooh, look, I, I, I just got out of four weeks of prayerlessness. I'm good. Nobody says that. Who's going to say Nobody's going to say that. Oh, man, I haven't had devotion in, you know, I don't know how long. I'm, you know, I made it. I'm good. Nobody says that. But see, what the devil does psychologically, psychologically, he it reinforces in your mind that if you got away with it before, you'll get away with it again. Comfort begins to set in, and you build up a habitual life of being on the roller coaster ride with God, and you actually think that you're going somewhere with that. And all Satan is doing is sitting behind you saying, See, here's the thing, we said this before. There's only one, you'll know what Satan is afraid of by what he tries to keep you from doing. Listen, I can't think of anything else that Satan is more afraid of than praying people. He is frightened when you pray. There is nothing that he can do to stop you when you are seeking the very throne of God. Yeah, yeah it's funny. This girl, if we notice in the passage, she calls Peter out. She calls him out. Like, yeah, you're the one. You were with him. I know I saw that you were there. And Peter, the Bible says, vehemently denies it. And then even this brother, this man of God, this disciple, calls down curses on them. And then even swears, I do not know the man. You know, at some point in our lives, Pastor, we have to be real about our spirituality. Yeah. If we're not real about it, Satan will expose it and he will call us out on that thing. That's right. Never say never either. Yeah, never say never. If you're not a real Christian, just admit that thing. And many of us, I mean, I'm I'm speaking to myself right now. We can, I can quote the scriptures backwards and forwards. That's right. I know the doctrines, all of them. That's right. But if I am not praying, I am just as in danger of falling as an atheist. That's right. I am just as in danger right. of not being saved as an agnostic. That's right. Because the word of God even says that uh, the, uh, you think that in the scriptures you have eternal life. Mm-hmm. But they are they which testify of me. Mm-hmm. And you would not come to me right. so that I could give you eternal life. Mm. If you were really spiritual and if you really had a real connection with God, you would be praying, God, I am a sinner and I need your help. Mm. Every day of my life, I need you, yes. oh God. And when it comes time for Satan to try us, we would cry aloud to God, God, come into my life, please. Do not let me fall. Right. But Peter, at this point, when Satan exposes him, says, no, I wasn't with him. I don't know what you're talking about or whatever, because he never really had a real connection with God at That's that right. point yet. Watch this. Here's, this is an amazing thing. This is from your girl. All right. Watch what she says. She says, many today stand where Peter stood. 
All right, we there? Everybody here? When in self-confidence, he declared that he would not deny his Lord. So that's where many of us are. And because of their what, everybody? (laughs) Self-sufficiency. They fall an easy prey to Satan's devices. Now, you ain't heard nothing yet. Watch this. Those who realize their what? Trust in a power higher than self. And while they look to God, Satan has no power against them. Now, watch this mind-blowing comment here. There are some lessons that will never be learned except through failure. Wow. Oh, that thing went so far over some heads up in here. There are some lessons that will never be learned except through failure. Peter was a better man after after his fall. As fire Mm -hmm. purifies gold, so Christ purifies his people by temptation and trial. So let me just say this. Some of you are going to have to fall. Some, everybody listen to what Pastor Coxham and Pastor Edmonds are saying. Everyone listen to us right now. We are giving a word of warning to many of you in the house right now that you are sleeping and you better wake up. This is a word from the Lord. Here's the thing. God is so good that sometimes he has to set up your fall. Sometimes you have got to bust your behind and be humiliated. Oh, yeah. Or else you will not know how to call on God. Some of you, and see, some saints ain't going to be able to handle this, have to fall into sin. Amen. God ain't going to be able to save some of y'all unless you bust your behind. Because you're too high and mighty. Peter, see, Pete, you know, Peter had to fall. That's why the Bible says, he said, when you have come back, then strengthen your brethren. You know why? He said, man, you are so caught up in yourself that even when I tell you, you ain't right. Mm-hmm. You don't believe it. You won't have to fall. You got to go down because if you don't go down, then you will not know how to go down. Mm. All right, Edo, uh, go ahead. Um, the life we live is to be one of continual repentance and humility. <laughs> continual. We need to repent constantly. <laughs> that we may be constantly victorious. When we have true humility, we then and only then have the victory. The darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. Wow. Y'all just missed that thing right there. When you do not pray, the darkness of the evil one encloses your life. The whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to sin. And it is all because they do not make use of the privileges that God has given them in the divine appointment of prayer. Why should the sons and daughters of God be reluctant to pray when prayer is the key in the hand of faith 
to unlock heaven's Hallelujah. storehouse. Where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence? Without unceasing prayer and diligent watching, we are in danger of growing careless and of deviating from the right path. I don't know about you, but that's kind of scary, Pastor. <laughs> That if I do not seek God, and if I do not repent constantly, if I don't recognize my own sinfulness, and I'm not willing to admit that I could fall at any time, and I don't recognize how weak I really am, the darkness of the evil one can enshroud my life. Mercy, mercy. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh Flesh and blood. blood. Most of us believe that we can handle the circumstances that we have on earth, but we don't really know if we can handle the circumstances that the devil himself will bring into our lives. The word of God says, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan has come to me Mm -hmm. and asked me to sift you as wheat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm I'm done. Here's the the shouting point. Because some of y'all are wondering, why why are you going to let Satan come get me? See, the thing is, is God is never confounded by the temptations and trials that Satan brings our way. Your God is so good that Satan can come to him and say, I want Myron. God's, God can say, you know what? Go ahead. You know why? Because I know that I have given him sufficient strength not only to recover, but to be able to endure the trial. The word of God says this. There is no temptation that has suffered you such as is common to man. But God is faithful with the temptation <laughs> to provide a way of escape that you should be able to bear it. EGW says it like this. She says this. She says that every trial and temptation that comes our way, God has measured it. God has weighed it. God has examined it. And God looks at it and says, is that what you're planning for, Myron? Satan says, yeah, I got it now. And God already knows that if if he has measured it, if he has weighed it, that whatever Satan brings our way, it will only work for my good. There is no. And here's the other good part about this is the cherry on top. Then God says that I've not only measured it, I've weighed it, I've examined it, you can handle it, but I've prayed for you. (laughs) Now, some of y'all think y'all can pray, but listen, I'm rolling the dice on Jesus because guess what? He has direct access into the presence of his father. And the other good thing about Jesus, he can answer his own prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. So so I just don't be dismayed. I don't want you to be dismayed by what we are saying. You have no need to be afraid of the trial, the fiery trial that is coming. That should not scare you if you know that God has already planned a way for your rescue. You know what? But in order for you to even see that escape, you've got to be praying. You've got to be praying. Right. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Some of us are not even going to see our exit because we ain't talking to God anyway. That's right. God can't get a, a word in edgewise to us, so we don't even know when we're supposed to get off the train when the train is about to fly off the edge of a cliff and crash and burn. Mm. We do not know because we do not have a connection with God. How can we expect God to speak to us and for us to understand the high and lofty and holy language of God, for God to tell us where to go and to decide for us what we should do in our life if we don't have a connection with him in the first place? The word of God even says that even when we pray, the Holy Spirit has to take our prayers and translate it into language that God can understand. 
So if you're not praying at all, you're putting yourself at a huge deficit because you can't even understand what God is trying to say to you. I heard one person say like this, that one thing you can be assured of is a guarantee that 100% of the prayers that you don't pray will not be answered. Some people are worried about, well, God ain't answering my prayer, and I, and I prayed before and nothing happened. Well, guess what? One thing we know for sure, that if you don't pray, ain't nothing going to happen. So listen, if you do pray, the Bible says we have not because we ask not, amen? If we do pray, if we cry unto the Lord and we persist in prayer, then we can be assured that we do have the victory. How many believe that God is able to do that for you in your life, amen? amen. Luke 18, we had, to put this in. Yes. we had to put this in here. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, and here's what we're talking about, <laughs> and looked down on everyone else, mm -hmm. Jesus told this parable. Mm -hmm. Two men went up to the temple to pray, and one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed, God, I just thank you so much that I'm not like other people. <laughs> Help us, Lord. Help I'm us. so grateful that I'm not a robber. And I'm not an evildoer, an adulterer. <laughs> I, I'm so grateful even to the point that I'm even, not even like this tax collector. <laughs> I fast twice a week and yeah. I, I give a tenth of all that I get. Oh, yes. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, for oh. I realize that I am a sinner. I tell you that this man, yeah. rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Will be exalted. Here's the prayer that we ought to pray, and this is our last text tonight. And this is where I'm getting, you know, I, I, got, I thank God, Pastor, for the revelation of the old song that we used to sing. It's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord. And those were David prayed. And Psalms 139 is a good, write that down. This is a, write down Psalms 139. Write this down. Uh, uh, put this, uh, bookmark this in your phones. Write this down. I encourage you, pray this prayer tonight. Pray it in the morning. But I love this prayer. It's so real. David is so real. David says this. He says, search me. Don't search the church. Yeah, yeah. Don't search my husband or my wife. Search me. Oh, God. And know my heart. Test me. Oh, yeah. Did he not pray? Pray to test me. Yeah, yeah, test me, O oh Lord. And know my, what everybody, my anxious thoughts, verse 24 says, point out mm -hmm. anything, Lord have mercy, that word scares me right there, but I got to receive it. How many, everybody, point out anything in me that offends you, and then this is what God will do, amen, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Yes, yeah, yes, brothers yes. and sisters, we, we, didn't, we just want to leave you with this. We all have to have a lifestyle of prayer. Yes. Where our life, every decision, every moment of our lives is constantly connected to God. And many of us right now, we, we, we're in the church now and God has saved us and we praise God for that. And many of us have come through addictions, we've come through challenges already and yes. issues and circumstances. Uh -huh, uh -huh. We believe that God has given us the victory. But what we're saying is, listen, at any point in your life, you are subject to fall. That's right. At the highest point in your life, you are subject to fall. That's right. And what you said earlier makes so much sense. What they tell addicts after they have come through is, listen, you, what you need to tell yourself over and over again is, once an addict, always an addict. Here's why they say that. You need to remember the misery and the pain that you went through when you were an addict. 
You need to remember how much pain and agony you caused somebody else. Mercy. You need to realize how much hell you, by your own decisions, may have put yourself through. And you need to recognize that because you are a weak human being, you are subject to falling all over again. That's right. And so every day, we got to go through all 12 steps all over again, Pastor. My life is unmanageable. I realize that there's a higher power. I I need to make a decision on this thing. I need to shut up and do something. I need to make a fearless inventory of my life. And, oh, God, yes, I need to pray each and every day, morning, noon, and night. I need to seek God for my life because I am vulnerable at Mm. any point in my life. Does anybody agree with me this evening? I just want to know. I feel like I'm the only one tonight who, I mean, I, I don't want to be self-righteous. I don't want to be so overly confident and, and, and overestimate my abilities in God. Just because I'm a preacher, pastor, I could fall tonight. Yes. And this is one of the reasons why, as we close, that your pastor who's sitting here has gotten to a place where he doesn't mind being an open book. Look, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now. The Lord had to knock me down to save my marriage. Save me as a father. Save my ministry. I mean, the fact that I'm standing right here, man, ain't, listen, it is the grace of God that he ain't cut me off. Should be cut off. Hear me now. Hear me what, hear what we're saying here. This word tonight is clear. The Lord says, you watch yourself. Be to him that thinks he stands. Less. And so what do we get from this? What is the definition of arrogance? What is the definition that I, that I might be thinking, that I might be in Peter's position? A prayerless life. A life where you are not laid out before God constantly, where you're not hungry for his presence. That's why it disturbs me, and obviously we're preaching to the choir, but it disturbs me when people do not attend the services of the church. I mean, I mean are you not desperate for the outpouring of God's spirit in your life? You know what I'm saying? I mean, do you not need a move of God? Or have you arrived at a position where you simply can check in with God, take a vacation, check in, check out? And I will tell you this, and it's all good because he's trying to save you. God's going to do whatever he got to do to save you. You trust me. I'm a living witness. He will do, listen, if he got to bust you, if he got to blow up your spot, expose you, humiliate you. He don't care. He wants you to be saved. He don't care nothing about your reputation. He don't care. He, don't, he do not care. He wants you to be saved. And I, this is what I love about Jesus as we get ready to call somebody to him tonight. He, he is not willing, I love this text, that any should perish, <laughs> but that all should come to repentance. And so, the Holy Spirit <laughs> Never takes off. There's no day. How many thank God that the Holy Spirit, how many, how many have ever got mad at the Holy Ghost? Because you're like, I wish he would just leave me alone on this. But, but how many thankful that he did not leave you alone on, on some stuff? Thank God that you are still able to even hear his voice. God's trying to save you. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Like Peter, admit it. You may not have cursed and sworn and denied the Lord three times. But as just as sure as we're sitting here, you will admit that what set Peter up for that was that when he should have been praying, he was sleeping. And I don't know where your spiritual life is tonight. I don't know where it is. But if you lie about it, 
God's so desperate to save you, he will expose you. So the best bet is to be honest and simply say, I'm asleep. I'm asleep. I'm asleep. No, I don't really believe that. I, I, ain't, I ain't that hungry for God. You know, I'm hungry just enough to get by. But I am spiritually sleepwalking. Oh, yes. That's the word for me tonight, Pastor. If you can confess that tonight and simply acknowledge that I'm asleep in some areas of my life spiritually, and this word was for me, I need to be awakened by the Spirit of God to begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness so that I might be filled. If that's you tonight, why don't you just, would you be so kind as to stand and just join us in the front for prayer? This is serious business. And let me tell you why it's serious. As the pastor was preaching his heart out tonight, he laid out for us this. As sure as you're born, no, I don't care how old you are, nobody's too old to pass trials and tribulations. And the test, the testing done in. Some of us feel like, well, I'm up in, the, I'm up in years now and you know, he's testing me all he can. No, he ain't. Satan is no respecter of persons. He, he likes to go after old people, young people, middle-aged people, black people, white people. Come on in here now. And so here it is. This is what we're saying. I think we will do well, Pastor, and we've been talking about this, to simply acknowledge I'm asleep. Yeah. I'm asleep. Yeah. That's a good step for somebody tonight. Just simply say, I'm asleep. The Holy Ghost called my number tonight. I need to wake up, and I don't even know how. Anybody ever been there before? Where you, you, you're in that rut spiritually, and, and you know you need to come out of it, but you've been in the rut for so long that you really don't even have the strength. Some of us neither the desire to get out, but you know you need to, and you're just kind of in that thing, and you need God to lift you up out of that thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about here tonight? You just need God. Some of you know you Laodicean and lukewarm, but you just don't know how to break free from it. Oh, but God is able to break every stronghold, amen? Every chain he's able to break. Every chain, he can break it. And I and we have discovered, Pastor Coach and I, as we've been showing you story after story, the woman with the issue of blood, how did she get the blessing? She wanted it. Yes. Uh, the Syrophoenician woman, uh, her, her daughter was demon-possessed. How did her daughter get healed? She said, I'm willing to take crumbs. Yeah. Uh, uh, Zacchaeus, what was the difference between him and everybody? Zacchaeus was willing to climb up on a tree. Yeah. David, what was the difference? He was willing to repent and admit he was wrong. All of these people bear one thing in common. They would, they would break the cycle and monotony of simply existing, and they bust a move to God. Yeah. Yeah. A radical move. They had to change their course of, they had to make a decision. Yes, Lord. Yes, and so now, you've at least admitted, listen, I'm asleep. Now, here's the next appeal. You need to be born again. Some of us have know who the Lord is and know what he teaches, but we have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This ain't mystical. This ain't, we ain't talking about tongues. We're talking about the presence of Jesus can only come into your life by the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. Ain't no need to holler on this. There ain't no need for us to shout on it. This is just a simple prayer that you pray. And the word of God says, asking it will be given. Given what? The Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit...